We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of the Prior Podcast, we have a very, very, very special guest, the Stat King. Mr. Logan Lamberandier joins the Prior Podcast to talk about some Detroit Lions football. All on episode 74 of the Pride Podcast. Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast, episode 74 on the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Tyler, and I am joined by my two suspects, as always, Pierre and Malcolm. And for today's episode, we got a very special guest. I know how to say his first name. He's going to finish off his last name. His name is Logan. Lamarandi. Logan. So if you guys do not know Logan, he is the stat king for the Lions. Uh, Most of you guys know him. You guys have Instagram, Twitter. You guys know who Logan is. And, you know, he's going to break down some draft coverage, some free agent coverage. But first, before we get into that, Pierre, hit him up with – let's hit up Logan with the first question. All right, Logan, what's up, man? How's it going? Going good, dude. Glad to be on. All right, uh, so tell us a little about yourself that, like, people don't know, like, something about you. Oh, something about me that people don't know. Well, I know I'm very Lions oriented on all my Lions platforms. So um, I play guitar. I I played guitar for a long time. That's kind of my my outlet and how I decompress, especially with all the stress related and stress induced Lions comas (laughs) that I'm usually in. Um, I have an 18 month old, um, have a wife, you know, and try to balance out, you know, just work Lions my life it's <laughs> it's a lot of fun it's awesome that's awesome man so logan uh obviously me and pierre and malcolm all of us all three of us we run an instagram page we can you know cover the lines 24 7 whenever we have the chance i just want to know because i know my answer how many hours a week do you think you spend just talking about the lines covering the lines looking up stuff like how many hours in a week if you had to estimate oh that's a good question because a lot of it happens late at night when yeah. uh, the, the kid is in bed, but pre-kid, I would spend pretty much all night and, you know, hours during the day here and there, you know, just 
paying attention to things, but most of it, most of my research and just looking up things happens at night. So I want, I want to say probably, oh, 10 to 15 hours a week, probably. Um, and that's, that's off season, but, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where social media, especially like Twitter is just a great resource where, you know, I can kind of scroll through things and get my information rather quickly. And it's not like I need to dig too deep into things. And I kind of, depending on what I like and, you know, things that I want to figure out is where I kind of go with, uh, with my stats and what I start to look up and dig deeper into things. And over the years, I've kind of built up almost like a database of just, um, you know, my go-tos or places to look for stats. And, you know, Pro Football Focus is definitely one of them where, you know, they just have everything. So I really like what they do over there. And um, they make my life a little bit easier sometimes when I don't know something. It's like, oh, I know Pro Football Focus has has the answer. So, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I have my wanna, cheat code. You, you know everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I think people really underestimate that, like how much work and how much hours and time we spend on to like just covering the team. Like, I, I think people really underestimate that. So, like, we never really talk about it. So I'm kind of glad. But here's someone else talking about that. So, <laughs> Logan, how long, like, how long you been doing that, man? Like, when did you start? So I, so I started blogging again, going into like my personal life. Uh, I moved away from Michigan back in 2013. And at that point, you know, I was always around Lions fans and could listen to, you know, Lions radio. And this was kind of pre, you know, apps and everything even. So once I did that, I, I was missing my lion's fix of information and at the same time i wanted to start you know just writing a little bit so i started my own blog and at that point you know i was just starting up i didn't no one knew who, who i was and um you know i was on like fan forums and stuff like that talking but i started my own blog and then um shortly after that uh i, I went over to detroit sports nation and kind of got my feet wet there and you know they indoctrinated me into the the blogging world and then that was for a couple years. And then I've had Lion Lowdown now for uh, almost four years. And uh, that's kind of been, you know, the spot where I can write. Uh, and in that time, that's when I got on Twitter. And Twitter is where it kind of blew up, where I was just posting facts and stats. And no one was really doing that at that point. And that was one of those deals where um, all of a sudden I started followers started happening like people started communicating with me i was like this is great and so <laughs> i found my own little niche and now there's everyone that has stats and everyone's kind of doing that thing but uh and then yeah just before the season started i i started with lion maven which is like a sports illustrated um their digital presence that they have now so it's it's kind of been a long and winding road it's very unorthodox uh it's not like you know, your typical like journalism type deal is, you know, I'm still considered just a blogger, but I try to try to be more than that and, you know, remain credible by just really using stats and data to, to back whatever I say, because I'm, I'm not one to really break news. I'm not an inside source or anything like that. Over the years, I've created some good uh, relationships and just connections where I, I do hear some things, but I'd rarely ever publish it or post about it because that's not my that's not my deal. I, I just want to be the information guy. I got you. So not necessarily covering or writing, but do you keep up with any other sports, or other teams? <laughs> I just don't have time. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I used to. Uh, I, I would say I'm a fair weather. You know, I'm always Michigan teams, all the Detroit teams, the major sports. I'm more of a Michigan fan. 
the Michigan State. I know it's taboo, but I, I do root for both of them. I didn't go to either school, but my brother and my wife's side of the family are all Michigan State. I grew up being a Michigan fan just due to the fact that they were always the football school. Uh, so I, I pay attention to them, but I don't dive nearly in depth or I'm not nearly much of a fan as I am that I can say with the Lions. Then that's, you know, if I spent more time with those other Detroit teams, I don't think I would have a life. I wouldn't sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you, man. Like all of us personally, like, we have all our other teams, but like the Lions are just like at a whole different level, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, okay, let's take a quick transition. So, uh, you know, the 2019 season for the Lions was not a good season, obviously. They ended up 3-12-1. So I just kind of want to know, what you take away from the 2019 season? Well, overall, obviously very disappointing. Even, you know, with Matthew Stafford, they were 3-4-1. and one. Um, They were kind of trending, you know, to be a, an average team. And they had their moments where they looked really good. There was a couple games mixed in there where – the tables could have been turned. They could have been five and, you know, five and three or, you know, maybe even six and two at that halfway point. And it just didn't happen. And then it, obviously it's very concerning. Once Matthew Stafford went down, I figured I didn't think there was going to be many wins and didn't expect zero wins. I thought they'd maybe pull one out, but that didn't happen. And after a certain point, once they were out of the playoffs, I was like, OK, I always want the Lions to win. You, you root for them, but at the same time, you know that the top of the draft is pretty loaded. And it's like, okay, well, if they lose, it's not the worst thing in the world. And then towards like the last three or four weeks, it was pretty much, I found myself rooting for the Lions. And then towards the end of the game, I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. We like, <laughs> we don't want to win this. But but if that, it happens, I'm not going to mind. But uh, if, for the future of the team, I think, you know, it's best just they lose out. But overall, yeah, it was just very disappointing. And uh, not where they wanted to be and really raise some questions about, you know, the, the staff and even Bob Quinn a little bit as far as the depth. He was supposed to be a guy who he kind of prides himself in just the depth he's supposed to be building. Right. And we didn't really see that uh, once our starters started going down. And you can use the excuse of injuries. But, yes, there were 16 players who ended up on the IR. But most of those players and a lot of the bigger hitters all were on the IR late in the season after the Lions were already well out of the playoffs. So, right. It's that that part is a little concerning, but I do still feel like they can make a jump back. I think there's talent there. The Lions have some cap space. You know, they're sitting right in the middle of the pack and in, in the NFL in terms of uh, open space, right around 50 million. They do have a couple of guys they need to resign. But then you look at their draft picks as well. They have that third overall pick that's going to be highly valued. Who knows what they do with it? But, you know, they also have a high second round pick. So it's it's going to be a big offseason for this regime and you know they've been given that ultimatum that it's time to win you know martha ford isn't going to put up with another uh below average season so it's they're going to be doing everything they can to win this year and i i'm not counting them out next year so much can happen from now until next year you know the season's technically not even over yet but you know you just hope that uh this regime can find a way to turn it around Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the regime, do you believe in what Patricia and Quinn are building here? Uh, I don't. My confidence is probably at an all-time low right now. Me too. I, <laughs> un, I hate to say it. Uh, I was totally fine with bringing the regime back another year. I think we're at the point now where we've invested so much time and effort into them that we really need to see this thing through and make sure that, um, you know, what we're seeing on the field isn't just an anomaly that 
you know, they do have a plan. They, they sold Martha, obviously, on what their philosophies were and how to build a great team. And they come from the Patriots, which, you know, they know how to win. It hasn't been a ton of success outside of the Patriots. You know, looking at other coaches, there were some this year in the playoffs. But I, I just feel like, you know, at this point, he's year three for Patricia. I don't know if I've seen anything that has given me much hope with him just due to the fact that, you know, he's, he's a defensive minded guy, but yet that's been the biggest pain point on their team, especially last year. It's like, how, how can a defensive guru just be putting up these type of numbers on defense? And it's a team game. There's a lot going on, but uh, I coach coaches are so difficult to kind of predict how they're going to do and when the turnaround is going to come. Cause there's so many moving parts. So I'm not, completely writing them off quite yet but I can't say that my expectations are very high at this point right speaking of like how you were talking about the defense do you believe in like the slow linebackers don't you think athleticism in the front seven is better than having big slow people like if you look at the Niners you look at their front seven you got Quan Alexander flying around Drake Greenlaw and the other kid uh, Fred Warner mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's one thing that every year when Bob Quinn as these drafts, I do my graph, draft grades. I have, I'm always critical of his drafts because I feel like they're high floor. You know, like these guys that have high football cues can probably come in and contribute right away. But you look at their athletic profiles and, you know, more often than not, they're they're nothing special. They're just kind of run the mill, but they're, they are bigger players. And at linebacker especially, I feel like all the best linebackers in today's games are the ones that can run sideline to sideline, cover right. players and are just more athletic than what we're putting on the field. And Jared Davis is an athletic player, but for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to put it together yet. But yeah, you're Jelani Tavais and you're Christian Jones. Um, I know Devon Kennard is a little bit unique because he's more of that jack backer, kind of right. an edge rusher. But they're all bigger players, and none of them are going to wow you with their athleticism. And at, at a certain point, if you ever get stuck in the open field with even tight ends and running backs, you know, it's a mismatch and I don't like having mismatches. And I think speed kills in the NFL. And when you don't have that on defense, that really hurts. And the Lions do run a, a gap scheme that relies on these big players um, being able to take on blocks. Their defensive linemen need to be able to control, you know, kind of like a two gap system. Right. And you do. You need bigger players for it. But I just wish there was a little bit more emphasis on the athleticism size of things. Yeah, especially when you play man, like we play a ton of man. They rush three so like they could help like covering a tight end or linebacker versus they had an athletic dude, they'll rush four or five. Right. And we don't have that elite athlete on the edge that's gonna right. that's a real threat ever to the quarterback. Trey Flowers is a really nice, consistent pass rusher and he's great against the run. But again, when when your scheme is predicated on only run, rushing three or four and rarely blitzing you got to have someone that can get home. You know, these coverages, it, it can work. I know, you know, we've seen it work somewhat. But when you look at what the Lions did last year, they were just off the charts in terms of how many they rushed. They were the lowest in the NFL in terms of average rushers per pass play. And that equaled having the, mo- the quarterbacks and the opposing team having the most time to throw the ball. And I just don't feel like that's a recipe for success in the NFL. But. There's so many different ways to win. It's just not my style. I find it difficult to understand. But, you know, these, you know, the Lions coaches, they are NFL coaches. You'd hope that they know what they're doing, and I think they do. It's just, 
I, you'd like to look at other teams and how they find success and kind of emulate that style instead of just completely going against the grain and against the norm and saying that the system works, even though the Lions defense was, you know, almost the worst they've ever had in the history of the franchise. Yeah. Right. I agree. And Logan, um, you're, you're just stealing words from our mouths from previous yeah. podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Looking at that too, you know, when Patricia came in, it was supposed to be a multiple defense or really, it, you couldn't really label it a three, four, a four, three. Cause I thought it was supposed to be a little bit more versatile, but I just feel like with their athletic limitations, you know, they're kind of just pigeonholed in this defense yeah. and they can't, they can't do too many other things. So it's again, going, that's one of my biggest complaints I've always had with Bob Quinn is the guys he drafts. It's I, maybe I'm just a sucker for athletes and, you know, the underwear Olympics, which is the combine where I get wowed by these players that you look at all the, a majority of the elite players in the NFL and the pro bowlers are usually some of the best athletes in the draft. And right. the lions really don't have that. And they start, these rookies come in and play well. And then they kind of, that's just where they're at. They, you don't see them getting much better. So this year is going to be a huge year in the, in the draft for Bob Quinn, because he's going to have to hit on some players. And he, I know he's hit on some players in the past, but, you know, not having pro bowlers. I know pro bowler pro bowl is a popularity contest, but at the same time, you just got to get some difference makers and outside of maybe Galladay, I don't know if there's been any true difference makers that Bob Quinn has drafted. You can make the case for Ragnow and Walker, but I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, he's been here for what, four years. He only has like two or three guys right. that are like difference makers. It's unacceptable. And Ragnow, I really liked Ragnow a lot. And even when he got drafted, I know that raised some eyebrows, but um, I think in my pre-draft, you know, writings I said Ragnow I thought would be the best center in that draft. So leading up to that point, right before the draft, Ragnow's name was getting in that conversation of first round. I was happy with it. And yeah, Tracy Walker, you know, that's another mid-round player that when he was drafted, a lot of people were like, who is this guy? <laughs> but right. he's definitely played well and it looks like he's on the right trajectory. And I think he's improved as, you know, he played very limited amounts in his rookie year and he had a bigger role last year, dealed with some injuries, but he did. He, he looked promising. So yeah, there's Bob. I'm not saying Bob Quinn, he's definitely had some hits, but we need those true difference makers and they need to either develop quickly or he needs to find them in this draft. And when you have the, the third pick overall, you'd hope you're going to get one, an immediate impact player. And you know, you're not going to draft a luxury position or a guy that you need to sit on the bench or a guy that takes time to develop. He needs to come in, and put up numbers right away, no matter what position he's playing. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, speaking of the draft, I mean, we've seen these guys for a whole year now. What are your thoughts on the 2019 draft class for the Lions? Uh, I Hawkinson, so I don't think he was in my top five players I wanted the Lions to draft. I, I know he wasn't. I, I liked guys like Ed Oliver and, uh, you know, Brian Burns was my draft crush, as I call it. Um but again, I don't think they fit really that scheme that the Lions are running. They're not they're not big enough for their positions. At Oliver, the Lions actually like wanted him to be more of an edge player, like that Jack role, because he was 280 pounds, but athletics. So, and then Devin Bush was another guy who they told Devin Bush that he'd be a middle linebacker in the scheme. But you look at the, who the Lions took last year in the draft, and they want big players. They took at the combine the two heaviest linebackers were. Jelani Tavai and Trey Lamar, and both of them ended up on the Lions. So, again, I just don't know if they'd go back 
um, going back to that scheme fit. I don't know if they were fits, but I, I think Hawkinson, it's well documented that as a tight end, no matter really where you're taking in the draft, it takes time to develop. And he showed enough flashes and he showed promise where I'm still very comfortable. He's going to be something great. But when he was taken last year, especially being a top 10 pick, usually, you know, that tight end position, you look at the salary cap, you know, he's already getting paid medium wages in terms of salary cap at the tight end position when you can add a guy like Ed Oliver, an edge rusher who it comes in at a bargain at that eighth pick overall price. So it was, those are my concerns. The, the talent level wasn't a concern. It was more just how long he was going to take to develop and that in terms of salary cap, you're not really getting much of a bargain drafting a tight end in the top 10. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, sorry to go off on a whole tangent about, about Hawkinson. <laughs> but yeah, Jelani Tavai, I, again, I think he's one of those guys I've mentioned it before where, you know, he's he's a nice player, but I think he has a limited ceiling because of his athleticism. Right. But he seems to have, you know, he, he might not be the most athletic guy, but he, he's pretty fluid and, and is, is instinctive and can take on blocks. So in this defense, I think he can be a very good role player. But if we're talking about is he ever going to be a Pro Bowl linebacker, I don't know if his skill set is there to be one. Um, Will Harris, I wasn't a big fan of Will Harris. Uh, just due to the fact he didn't have a ton of ball skills. He didn't really – he played a ton at Boston College, but just that ball production was never really there. And you, you saw it in his rookie year as well. He, he didn't really make plays on the ball, but he is – a solid tackler. He he's a good player, but you do you want to see some development there? And Amani Aruare was just a steal. I would have taken him in the second round and had no problem. Obviously the NFL, I was wrong. Him slipping to the fifth round, I think, was just huge. But he showed flashes again. It's something you want to see out of these rookies. You want mm-hmm. someone. Both of his interceptions were great interceptions. He picked off Aaron Rodgers, which rarely ever happens. So that's huge. And then. Um, his pick against Haskins, that was a nice undercut, hands grab. So I think the skill's there. So it's all these guys um, overall, you know, you'd hope to see a little bit more out of that 2019 rookie class. But uh, you never know how these guys are going to develop. I just you just kind of got to hope and pray that they can turn into these players that the Lions envisioned when they took them. So do you think this scheme could work in the NFL? Because, I mean, we've seen a similar scheme. I guess the most similar one I can compare it to is probably the Patriots. It's probably the reason why we take a lot of their players. Um, so do you think this scheme could work in the NFL, like in today's NFL, I should say? So I think with Snacks Harrison really underperforming this year, I think that really hurt that run defense. They were really relying on him to be a run defender. And so I think the scheme can work if the Lions are consistently putting opposing quarterbacks in like third and long situations and then where they drop more into coverage and these quarterbacks are forced to throw the ball in the tight windows and to get rid of the ball. Um, So in theory, I think it should work. I just think it's a philosophy that's really difficult because you have to have all the right pieces in place and you have to make sure that you can stop the run um, to put these opposing quarterbacks in tough situations and obvious passing downs and that really wasn't the case this year and um trying to use that same pass defensive scheme where you're not rushing anybody or not really um using creative blitzes as much as i'd like it puts the corners in a really tough spot and the secondary in general in a really tough spot so i think we saw in the, the at the end of 2018 the defense started playing better 
that's why I had very high hopes for the defense in 2019, and that obviously wasn't the case. But yeah, I do. Right. I that was supposed to be the strength of the team, and it turned around being the offense. <laughs> so the scheme can work. It's just again, it's it's not the scheme I would run, and I think there's a lot of pieces that still have to be added for it to work. So will you agree with me on this one that the Lions just need so much more personnel change that like it's almost so impossible to just kind of flip in one year, especially on defense? It sure seems that way. Yeah. Because you look at where they were at on yeah. defense last year. It's like how do you just make a night like such a quick transition, you know, just in one season that you don't really see that all too often. The NFL yeah. is a league of parity. There's uh I know so yeah, maybe the Lions could get back towards the mean and be an average defense, but I, I don't know where they're going to get all these pieces to all of a sudden I agree. just be a great defense. Yeah. It just seems like it, it. And there's so many limited players with this scheme too. It's like how many Patricia type players out there. And that kind of goes up to my next question. So the Lions are coaching in the senior bowl. Any like players, the Lions fans should be looking out for basically. Cause like I mentioned, there's not, so many players that could just fit into Patricia's scheme and it's going to work right away. Like I see Isaiah Simmons all over. I'm like, I don't think Isaiah Simmons is a good fit for the lions. And, uh, but here I'll let you, you know, this is the spotlight on you. (laughs) Well, the senior bowl, I mean, I still have a ton of homework to do in terms of draft prep. You know, the senior bowl is one of the first kind of steps I look at where I, once the practices start going, you know, I always make sure to watch all those and go through, you know, some players that look good, but, um, you know, Kinlaw out of South Carolina, he's a guy who um, I don't know if he'd be he'd be a reach at three, but I think he really would fit into the scheme well what the Lions want and not to get into all the trade back scenarios. I think he could be a player that they might target. Um, I actually did a piece today just looking at the corners and, you know, there's there's a couple of corners, a lot of big corners and the Lions really like the larger, lengthier corners. And there's some guys out there that you know, fit that. And it's just, I don't know. I, there's just so many different players. I don't know if there's really any one I have keys on. I I know I highlighted Lamar Jackson, the other Lamar Jackson, the cornerback out of Nebraska, who's 6'3", 215 pounds, interesting prospect, but probably a late round guy. But again, just with uh, that length and the size that, you know, the Lions like, it's like, well, maybe he could be a guy. He's a man press guy has some, refinement that needs to be made in, in his game. Um, and then like Troy pride jr. Notre Dame guy who's super athletic, um, six footer corner, um, another man press guy that would fit the Lions scheme. So I like him, but <laughs> you look at like the linebackers. I pretty much stopped even looking at linebackers who are under 240 pounds. Cause I just don't <laughs> think the Lions would even look at him. Right. So it's like, yeah, right there. You're like, all right, well, that limits a lot of players that you would see fits. And maybe the Lions will take a different approach with their defensive scheme and try to add some speed. But, you know, there's the receiver class is deep. Um, the Lions need another receiver. But again, they have two starters. If they bring Danny Amendola back, that'd be their third. So it'd kind of be maybe a mid-round guy that they'd take. But I don't know as of at this point right now if there's really one player that I'm really pounding the table for at the senior bowl until I go through these practices. And once I see some flashes from certain players, I go and do a little bit more in depth of a look at them. Right. Okay. I know we're talking about the um, senior bowl, but with the lions, you know, we have Darius Slay and we have snacks Harrison. Do you think they will be back as a lion next year? Mm. So I think with Darius Slay, I, 
now with this win now mentality, I would find it hard to believe that the Lions would trade him unless Trey become uh, Slay becomes very disgruntled and basically demands a trade. And we don't know what he's going to do in terms of a holdout if he wouldn't play, if he doesn't get a new contract. But you just look at him and it's like the Lions are so reliant on coverage and they need guys that can play man. And Slay's one of the best man corners in the league. And his numbers last year might not be the same as his 2017 stats. But if you look at, you know, if you really break down how many times he's shadowing opponents and just playing man with no help over the top. You know, not many guys are doing what he's doing. And he still has, you compare him to some of the best in the league, and he's still right up there in terms of all of his numbers. So I I really don't think they're going to want to see him go. And I only think that the the reason he might be, be gone is just for him forcing himself out. So I think the Lions will try to keep him. And then Snacks, who knows with him? You know, it's not really a issue with the Lions. It's more of just where he feels like his play is at. And if he feels like he can, can continue his dominant form that he had pre-2019. I don't know what happened to him in 2019. He was on the injury report almost every week. He was always dealing with injuries, was always getting veteran rest days. You know, he, he's a big man. Maybe his body's just breaking down, but I think it's going to – he's needs some time to just think things over. But I can't really predict one way or another what, what his thoughts are right now. Um, considering that he's under contract, you'd hope that he would be back just because if he isn't, it's going to create a – huge hole because that nose tackle position is so vital in this defense so yeah that's uh i don't know your guess is good as mine there <laughs> so so my follow-up to that i guess would be obviously if snacks does retire this is my at least approach to it if snacks does retire do you consider the lines maybe re-signing Ashawn robinson and if he does return you probably let Ashawn robinson walk is kind of what i've maybe taken away from it. I mean, I'm not even guaranteed if they would be signed if Snacks did retire, but I'm thinking if, you know, that might be the case scenario if Snacks does retire, they could just plug and play Ashawn. It it would make sense that he would be a higher priority if, you know, Snacks did retire. But at the same time, I don't know if Ashawn is really that prototypical nose tackle that they look for. He's, he looks like he has the body for it, but you know, Ashawn, especially in this defense, kind of underperformed until – Snacks came around last year, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Ashawn was a beast. And then this year, Snacks, I mean, uh, Ashawn really wasn't that player, that same player that you wanted to be. And I think that a lot of that was just due to the, due to the decline of, of Snacks. So I don't know if that would be the answer just to resign Ashawn and try to you know, peg him into that nose tackle role. I think he can do it, but he, I don't think he'd be any type of upgrade over Snacks of even last year. So that's. Ashawn's in a tough spot because if you remember too, it's just like a year ago, you know, the first week of the season, he wasn't even active. Right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I don't know what exactly the reasoning was, but I don't know if he's exactly the type of nose tackle the Lions would like. I think he's more of um, that five tech or just uh, a guy that can move around a little bit, but with the Lions, how much they need pass rush, you'd, you'd hope you could find another player that has a little bit more pass rush juice to him. Gotcha. Um, speaking of the pass rush, who do you think the Lions will target in free agency? Like, what positions do you think they'll look at? Or any specific players, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so that one, that's interesting because you look at their edge, um, their edge spots. So you have their the down defensive end, which is the Trey Flowers. Right. Uh, who they obviously just gave a big contract to. 
And with Akora backing him up in that same role, he's under contract as well. I want to say for the next two years, because they gave him an extension last off season. Um, you have those two guys who are taking up a decent amount of money. Aquara's on the lighter side where it wouldn't be too much out of the question to release him if they found someone better. Right. But then you have Devon Kennard. He was in the last year of his contract, but I think the Lions really like him. And they drafted Austin Bryant in the fourth round last year to be his backup. So the top four edge players the Lions have are all under contract. And if the Lions want to spend big money at either of those positions, especially if a down defensive end like Flowers plays, like where are you going to play a high-priced player? It's going to be like a redundancy with Flowers. So I think the only logical explanation would be to look at that Jack Backer role where Kennard plays and look at those type of players to try to upgrade over him. But again, that would relegate Kennard down to a backup role. But I almost feel like it has to happen no matter how much the Lions like Kennard because you need more of a pass rush presence. So there's a few players out there in free agency. Who knows if they'll even hit the free agent market. Franchise tags haven't been designated yet. Extensions could still be possible. Um, But Matt Judon from uh, Baltimore Ravens is Mm -hmm. my personal favorite. I think he's a perfect outside linebacker. can cover if he needs to, but more of a pass rusher. uh, Would fit really well in that Kennard role. You just wonder how much it's going to cost, and the Lions would really want to spend that type of money on another edge player. But there's there's a few other guys. um, Bud Dupree out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Unfortunately, he had a pretty solid 2019 season. So his price is probably skyrocketing, but he's super athletic. And we right. talked about athleticism. You know, I, I want guys that are going to be a threat or people have to game plan for a little bit or just have natural ability. So there's Vic Beasley is another guy. Maybe the Lions should take a look at. Um, but I, I just don't know if the Lions are going to be willing to spend too much money at that position when they've already invested so much into it. I would say maybe maybe use like a, a early draft pick like on an edge type guy where it's not too expensive for a contract or something like that. Yeah, that would that would definitely make a lot of sense. And looking at three, that third overall pick though, you you look at it and it's like, well, outside of Chase Young, you know, who's going to be that edge player that's going to be worth the spot at the third overall? The the, the value is not really lining up. Yeah. With that position, right. so that that's where it's difficult and. You know, it's the later you go on in drafts, it's very difficult to find, you know, true top tier edge talent, because I think there's such a strong correlation with high end athletes at the edge position that go high in the draft usually are the better players. So, you know, look at all the pro bowlers and, you know, a large majority of them are guys that are high draft picks. Yeah. Um, Could you see them like releasing Kennard or trying to trade him because like I'm gonna be honest he's a solid player but he's not really doing much as a pass rusher do you agree with that like they could right. upgrade Kennard like he's a good player he's a captain but he's not like uh, he's not like a difference maker or something. he's not a guy you game plan for I guess yeah right yeah. exactly and I think it would help Trey Flowers out a lot if he wasn't always being double and triple teamed at one of the highest percentages in the NFL right so yeah. if you like I mentioned earlier, he is in the last year of his contract. Kennard is. Mm-hmm. And so the Lions could save quite a bit of money. And Kennard's only making like six or seven million dollars this right. year. So it's not like he's a huge cap number. But if they wanted to let him go, they would only have a couple million, give or take, in dead cap. So it, it would make sense if they wanted to 
you know, release him. And I'd imagine they'd probably secure a player or get a player first before they even consider that. But in my personal opinion, if the Lions want to fix their pass rush, you're not getting rid of Trey Flowers. You're not going to put him as a backup. You need to upgrade that Jack Backer role. And that's unfortunately for Kennard, that's his spot. So I agree with you there. I, I think if um, the Lions want to go, you know, and upgrade that pass rush, it's probably going to be um, with Kennard's spot. So, right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we mentioned the draft already. You, you know, said some guys already. And it seems like the debate, if you go on Twitter, you go on Instagram, if they stay at pick three between Jeff Okuda, it's between Derek Brown, a lot of fans like Isaiah Simmons. Uh, what would you do personally? Uh, would you trade back? Would you stay at three, take one of those guys? Like, where are you at with all that? So I'm all, if Chase Young isn't there, I'm all for trading back, uh, especially with Miami. If if they love Tua, I don't really care what the returns are going to be. They can just give a third round pick, and I'd probably take it because it's still at that fifth, that fifth pick of Miami. You're still going to have, you're still going to be able to grab a player in that, second tier behind chase young of like five or six players. There's still going to be someone that's going to be very impactful. And if we stay at three, I do like Akuda. I think with the, you know, uncertainty surrounding slay, Akuda is probably, I think he's very similar to slay in just terms of his quick feet and his coverage ability. Um, I think he's my number one player right now at, at third overall. You guys had mentioned Isaiah Simmons. As much as I like him as a player, uh, I don't know where his fit would be in this defense. Um, I I honestly think, I know I've seen some stuff from Lions Wire where they feel like he might be a safety. Uh, I agree with a safety, but uh, I can't remember if it was Jeff Resident or Eric Schlitt. They said they'd be more of like that Tracy Walker role. I I assumed he would be more of a... Tavon Wilson type who's I'm with you yeah spends a ton of time in the box yeah same covers a ton but he's almost like an extra linebacker on a majority of run plays and I feel like that would be Simmons perfect fit because he's such he's so athletic and he's 6'4 he can cover any tight end with just how big he is and how you know he, he can do it all he really can I I would hope that the Lions aren't close-minded enough to just think oh he doesn't fit in our system Let's not take a look at him, but eh, that's going back to what we've been talking about the entire time with right. the scheme. And that's, it's like banging your head against the wall. Sometimes, you know, you want certain players, but the lions just aren't looking for that type of player. Yeah. Simmons is like one of those guys you could like, you can make an argument anywhere, any position. You can make an argument, the Joker role, the box role, like any role. Like I, I would not disagree with you, but I, if I had to choose a side, I'd look at him as like a Tavon Wilson type role, hybrid, you know, box type safety. So for sure. And that's yeah. looking at the snaps, you know, where Tavon Wilson played, he barely played free safety. He was almost always lined up in the box or in the slot. And a lot of times it was against tight ends. And yeah. that's where I'd want, if we were to draft Simmons, that's where I'd want him and just kind of let him be the playmaker that he is. Uh, give Got him it. a little bit more freedom. Maybe blitz him a little bit more than Devon Wilson did and just let him do what he does best. And that's just be that's just create havoc no matter where he lines up. Gotcha. Yeah. And that would also fix our um, tight end coverage problems as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anytime 
you'd see the Lions faced so many good tight ends this year, and they were always double covering them to yeah. take them out of the game. It'd be nice if you only had to use one player and maybe spy the quarterback a little bit more or, you know, just have another guy deep in coverage or wherever, another pass rusher. So there's, it would free up a lot, I think, if you could cover the tight ends and not try to be putting our slower linebackers on the mismatches, which are the tight ends and running backs. So do you think Simmons would be worth a top five pick, though, in that kind of role? And that's another thing is, you know, the Lions, yeah. you look at they've spent a couple draft picks on safeties in the third round the past two years. Um, the Tavon Wilson role is kind of unique. So I don't know. Technically, I guess Simmons would be a third safety, but. At the same time, the Lions defense is pretty much a, like a 3-3-5 defense, and that fifth defensive back is oftentimes a safety. So if as long as he's seeing the field at least 80% of the time, I think he would be a top-five pick. And that, okay. again, goes back to just making sure that he fits the scheme and that the Lions are going to be willing to use him and not just take him as a role player or a guy who's just a sub-package player. Gotcha. Right. Nice. Um, so who are some mid-late or mid-to-late-round guys you like in the draft? Ooh, that's a good question because I haven't – I don't even know if I'm there yet in terms of <laughs> the late-round guys because um, there's there's so many so many different players mm-hmm. that, you know, again, you haven't seen the Senior Bowl. Um, the Combine, I think, is a lot of times where I look at players and uh, if the film matches their speed, I'm like, okay, I start digging a little bit more, but – I don't at this point in time, I'm not pegging any player right now as like a player I got to have just because I'm, I'm not educated enough on all of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair. throughout fair. the NFL season, I'm pretty much all NFL. And then once the NFL season ends or the Lions season ends, that's when I start digging deep into the college players. But um, I'm sure I'll have some soon. And I have a few guys I've been keeping my eye on. But at this point, I don't feel comfortable <laughs> putting my name backing them yet because no, i know fine. in six months they'll be like oh what was this? what was that loading guy saying <laughs> no, man, no you're, you're fine good. man yeah we're gonna have to get you back on and you know say your yeah, guys man, yeah right right yeah that's it logan thanks for coming on logan man it. you're awesome bro all right hey, you know it was great um great being on and appreciate you having me and yeah let's uh do this again when i can dig into more uh a little bit deeper into the draft awesome definitely man well, I hope you guys all enjoyed episode 74 of the Pride Podcast with our special guest, Logan. Uh, Logan, do you want to plug your Instagram, Twitter, where people can follow you, your blog, anything? Yeah, sure. So on Twitter, I'm at L Lamarandir. Um, have fun trying to spell that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's real quick. It's L-A-M-O-R-A-N-D-I-E-R. And uh, on Instagram, it's Logan underscore Lamarandir. Um, I write mostly at uh, Lions Maven, or Lion Maven for SI, uh, and then Lion Lowdown as well. So either of those spots, and then on Facebook as well, you can follow the Lion Lowdown page, find all my stuff there. Um, I'm mostly active on Twitter, not very active on Instagram. I do try to, you know, post all the same stuff on Instagram that I post on Twitter, but. If you want to reach me or message me, it's Twitter's the place to be. So I know that goes against the grain of you guys, but oh yeah, Instagram's um, our competition. Don't join us. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got it. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again. 
right, yeah thank you again logan for joining us and yeah we'll definitely have you again and yeah so i hope you guys all enjoyed episode 74 if you guys could leave a review on apple Podcasts, it help us out a lot so that's all i got for you guys i'm tyler and peace out guys all right guys i'm out all right guys peace